December 10th, 2023. We're continuing the Mesilat Yesharim in Perek Kafbet, where Ramchal is describing to us one of these very elevated and hard to achieve midot, the midah, the character trait of anava, of humility, of being humble. Ha'anava, he writes here in several paragraphs in the Mahshava. He described at the onset that there's going to be two. Um, obvious uh, dimensions of anava. There's going to be b'machshava. It's a full-fledged understanding, cognitively, intellectually, who I am and what it means to be an anav. And then it'll follow b'maaseh. Even though in general actions maaseh might be appropriately preceding what I actually feel and think. What Ramchal described, and he had already alluded to this uh, when he discussed ga'ava, haughtiness, is that there can and will be these very funny and comical situations where a person's acting at a mo- as a modest person, as a humble person, when they don't truly have it. He says you work first on the character trait and then we'll focus on the action. So he writes, he says the way you can begin with this is by making true to yourself that tehila and kavod, that praise and honor, are not appropriate for you. And certainly, and all the more so, uh, raising yourself above others. How would you get there? Vize, the way you'd be able to uh, internalize this, First and foremost, what by definition you'll be deficient in. Of course, he'll go on to describe how everyone has deficiencies. And furthermore, even, and all the more so, that which you have, we'll have to focus on that and understand how that can imbue within you a certain sense of humility. Well, first, that which you're deficient and missing, well, it's simple. It's impossible that a human being... Well, by definition, a flesh and blood human being cannot be complete. And in turn, that you won't have many deficiencies. Of course you will. It might be something innate, something natural to you. It might be something that came as a result of nurture, family, relatives who have impacted upon you, or maybe just their close proximity to you. Maybe events that have taken place in your life. Or actions that you've committed. Of course, the Pasuk tells us in Kohelet, there's no person who's entirely righteous who cannot and will not sin. All of these marks on a human being can and should in turn leave us in a place where we could not rationally raise ourselves up, assume that we're better and greater than another. Even if you are truly filled with many high virtues. By just remembering that you're a human being, by just realizing through deficiencies that you are feeble, that you are finite, well, that in turn should darken any of that light which you may have been magnifying through believing that you're really great. 
the ga'ava. Says Ramchal, generally speaking, per, a person's wisdom, their understanding of themselves in terms of their ability to know more than others, that's oftentimes the source of haughtiness. He says, ultimately speaking, it's part and parcel of who you are, and the most pristine part of human beings is our brains or is our ability to comprehend, to, uh, to, to understand. And as a result, that oftentimes, if not always, is the source, the bedrock of our haughtiness. For a moment, before Ramchal continues, what I immediately thought about in this context was how, uh, an essay that I once read about, uh, from uh, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, Zichron Olivracha. It was a rabbi of, well, the rabbi of my father. And in this essay, he was talking about difficulties that people, uh, for good reason, who are Jews, struggle, thinking Jews, struggle with. I remember that he was, for example, uh, dealing with and struggling with, well, a milhamet amalek, genocide to another nation who might be in today's day and age, for example, if you were to determine uh, innocent and the children and the women included and the Muhammad Shiva'at Amameen upon entrance into the land of Kenan, genocide to seven nations and Avdut, the concept of slavery prior to, well, the abolishment, but the fact that the Torah accepts it, it might restrict it, but that it exists. Questions of that sort, moral and ethical dilemmas and difficulties that thinking Jews have, he said that at times in his life when he had been disturbed, when he had been troubled and kept awake by these sorts of questions, what he was able to do was to think about, and here's a person imbued with a very high capacity of knowledge. Here's a person who understood and had knowledge of the vast corpus of both general and certainly Torah studies, and nonetheless, here's how he said he dealt with this. He thought about his mentors, he mentioned specific names. He thought about their wisdom, their wherewithal, their character traits. He said if they, in previous generations, and those who he was familiar with, could go to sleep at night, so how could he be the one who assumed these were problems that were not solvable? In other words, the bottom line of that whole conversation, that whole description, it might be anticlimactic. I thought we were getting an answer to it. Alternatively, as I read it, as I understand his words, he was describing humility. He said, these questions, these problems that I would have, that a person might rightfully have, are not per se going to be solved when you uh, have this sort of vision and perspective, but the sting, the difficulty will be taken out of them because you'll be given a certain sense of humility. Questions that keep us up, problems and issues that are unresolved and in turn des destroy us in our inner core and character are specifically because we assume we can and should know the answer to them. When there's a certain sense of humility, that sting is taken away. But don't they always say that when it comes to deficiencies, you should, it's hard to see your own deficiencies, so you have to have someone so close to you to point them out. Certainly, Haram Baman Hilchot Deot makes that very clear. Absolutely. In other words, Charles is now looking for the solution. In other words, to come to humility, while well, we're describing what sort of thoughts to go through in your mind, Ramachal Mesilad Yishayim is going to bring us through that uh, exercise. But ultimately speaking, Harambam writes in Hilchot De'aot that when you're looking to perfect yourself or to make yourself better, you can and should be doing as much as you can, the same way you have your regimen in terms of exercise and diet, etc. But you have to speak to the expert from time to time. 
you need a friend, you need a mentor, you need a, a rabbi, you need a wise person, a spiritual person whom you can turn to, who can, uh, in an unbiased way, listen to you, see you, and, and give you advice, no question. But on that point, that humility, or the lack thereof, better yet, is oftentimes, if not always, the source of the poison in those situations of the disturbing questions. I found in the book Haya Olam, Haya Olam is written by the Stipler Gaon. He's the father of what many, who many people know him, Rab Chaim Kanievsky. So he writes, uh, first he has a paragraph in which he describes that those who believe that they've achieved anavar to a certain extent, deluding themselves because you can have it for a fleeting moment and then it uh, evaporates. It says, true anava is a midash banefish that is very difficult to achieve. It is the crowning characteristic of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah tells us. It was he who the Torah, at the end of Parashat Beha'alot God attests about him that he was anav me'od. He was greater in terms of his humility and piety, or, or rather his ability to be humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. It's the Mishnah and Pirkei Avot, which Arambam cites in that context of me'od me'od uh, to come to humility is no simple is no simple feat. It's not just saying words. It's not just for a moment realizing and understanding there are people who are greater than me. But he writes afterwards. He says those who are who are suffering from questions and confusions. He says leave aside for a moment the particulars, the specifics of your questions. Instead, and this is again, this is the Rabbi Lichtenstein story as he told it, as I understand. This is exactly what he did. Instead, be inspired to humility. And, well, his words are not as I had described it, but, and the sting, the poison will be taken out of those questions. They won't evaporate, but the questions disturb you when you believe that you should have the answer to them. Take away from your important stature in your mind. And the closer you come to anava, to true humility, this is a direction, this is a path which is checked and, uh, and, and tested, true and tested. Okay, but again, so Mesilat Sharim begins this conversation in telling us that Ga'ava, or the lack of Anava, will generally speaking be found in your mind, um, or, or better yet, in your appreciation of your mind, in thinking that you know better, in realizing that you are imbued with knowledge, with understanding that others don't hard to overcome. Certainly if we turn to others, they can set us in our place. Well, what are the mechanisms that as individuals we can say to ourselves? First and foremost, says Mesilati Sharim, you won't find an individual who is wise enough that he never needs to feed off of the input of others. That in and of itself should begin a certain sense of humility, a certain sense of, uh, of piety and understanding that I'm not the greatest. I, the truth is, even if, and I'm not certain this sort of person actually exists, but a person who does, generally speaking, have their creative input come entirely from themselves, even in that circumstance, 
To the best of my understanding, the way creativity works is that it isn't crafted and brought forth in a vacuum. We come up with novel ideas based on that which we see around us. We take in from the world, society, and individuals. It might be my own interpretation of it, but it doesn't come from nowhere. That already should bring a certain sense of humility. If you're not doing this independently, and you're not doing anything independently, so what makes you think that you have that significance, that high stature? Oftentimes even from students, of course that's the crowning jewel of many, the Gemara and Ta'anid says, How could it be? Why does it make sense for you to raise yourself up in mind and stature because of your knowledge? He says, and even a person who's achieved a very high level of knowledge and intellect, they can and should realize immediately that's not room for lifting themselves up. Well, we mentioned earlier, because uh, just a moment ago, because they're still turning to others and gleaning from others. Furthermore, he says, a person who is imbued with a high, higher IQ, well, ultimately speaking, we have to imagine, or he, she, should see themselves as, well, that's just part and parcel of who they are. It doesn't make them special, it doesn't make them greater than others. Similar to, a bird which flies cannot and should not see itself as greater, that's just its reality. And so to an ox, uh, will carry a large and heavy burdens because that is its essence. Kach, ken, so too, That's because a person who has that intellect, because that's how they were naturally crafted. And if the other person who might not be uh, imbued with the same character of wisdom, if he did have the same brain, He'd be just as wise as you. In other words, why and how could you see yourself as greater if this is something inborn and innate? So Mesilat Yisharim has set forth two angles for uh, calming down, for being mahashich in his words, darkening that hitnaseut, that uh, lofty mindset. Number one, realize that you are deficient. Number two, or maybe more than one, than, than two. Number two, realize that you're get gleaning from others. Number three, realize that as well, um, your nature cannot and should not be seen as unique. It is, sure, yours. But ultimately speaking, it's yours because that's what you were born with, not because you achieved it. So what's the counter mechanism? How can you overcome the, uh, the urge to haughtiness, to uh, high, uh, high thinking about yourself in a circumstance where a person does have knowledge above and beyond others? He says, see it as a responsibility. Understand it not as something which is a... Uh, which is just this, uh, uh, this, this luxury, but rather instead as a responsibility, as part of your mission. You're supposed to be teaching it to others. Uh, generally speaking, the Mekubalim and even the philosophers understand almost all of existence, certainly with human beings, as mashpia and mekabel. There's that which receives and that which gives. And the 
ultimate goal as human beings is supposed to not only be mikabelim but mashpi'im, which means to say that we've received and we're imbued with all sorts of qualities and characteristics, but they're purposed specifically and only in order to spread out to others as well. In turn, he says, Amar, he says, that's the statement of Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai, Im lamadita Torah harbe in Pirkei Avot. He writes, if you studied and know a lot of Torah, al tahazik toba le'atzmecha, ki lekach nosarta. Now the simple interpretation of these words are, if you studied a lot of Torah, don't hold on to tova, don't imagine that's good for yourself, le'atzmecha, ki lekach nosarta, that's what you were created for. Uh, Ramhal seems to be interpreting it differently. If you studied a lot of Torah, the Torah is the Torah. Don't hold on to the Torah for yourself. You were crafted in order to give the Torah to others. Do you follow? In other words, the description here is, his understanding of the Torah is that by definition, the reason you studied the Torah was only so that you become a mechanism, a vehicle of spreading it. Torah barely has a command to study Torah. Studying Torah seems to be a seems to be a um, uh, preparation for teaching Torah. The mitzvah from the Torah seems to be not studying per se, just so you know, but studying to spread it to others. I've more than once said that the Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Berachot, which talks about the ironic sachar, a graph for many of the deeds that hopefully we achieve and we do in our lives. Well, one of them is that agra de ta'anita. What's the true reward for a fast day? It's tzedakah. It's when you give tzedakah. It's when you help others. Which is a little surprising because you'd imagine a fast day, maybe it's the affliction of the soul. Maybe it's my connectedness to God. Alternatively, maybe the interpretation to that Gemara is that a fast day is supposed to bring us to an understanding, a recognition of sourcing. Our source of anything that we have is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To understand and to arrive at humility and say, well, I haven't eaten today in order to remind myself of where my food comes from, who sustains me, who sustains all of mankind. If I've arrived at that appropriately, if I truly comprehend that, if that becomes part of my essence, well, then anything I possess was only given to me so that I could be mashpia others. In other words, the description here of chokhmah, and by extension, anything that you do have and could let that go to your head, fast days have a way of bringing down that sort of thought. They say to you, what's your sourcing? What's your origin? Where did it come from? If, it, if you understand and comprehend it came from God, if you understand that it's, so to speak, not rightfully yours, you didn't achieve it independent of others or another, well, in turn, you'd be wanting to and know and demonstrate the recognition through tzedakah, through giving it to others. Imashirhu continues Ramchal, if you're wealthy, yismach behelko ve'alav la'azol Right, that's the line that I'm referring to, to a certain extent. If you're wealthy, understand it's not your great efforts, but rather it's a responsibility. It's something that you give and help others with. And so too, if you have a certain bravery and might to help others. To give this an example, says Ramchal, to those who work in a house, 
the, uh, the servants, the workers behind the scenes, each of them have their job, their task. In turn, the understanding is that's our relationship with God as individuals and in building a world, which is our mission, to use all of those inborn and achieved skills to spread them and to understand that that's our responsibility. It's not just something which is special and a luxury that we can hold on to for ourselves, but it's very much the responsibility which, when understood, brings forth a, a certain deep sense of humility. I don't have this for myself because of my own achievements. I have this as a mandate, as a mission to spread to others. He says, this sort of iyun, this sort of understanding and comprehension, looking into the matter, is ra'uy, it's appropriate for any person who has a certain straightness of mind and isn't stubborn against seeing the truth. If a person truly has this come, become true to them, if they understand this, they'll become a true and genuine anav. Anav, a person who has humility, a humble person. It's similar to the words of David to his wife, Michal, shafal I should be lowly in my eyes. Ve'amruzal and the Gemara and Sota has kama gedolim nimuche haruach shibizman shbet mktash kayam adam akriv ola sechar ola beado minha sechar minha beado. Avamish daato shefela alav maale ala katuv kilu ikriv kola korbanot kolam shene emar zivhe Elohim ruach nishbar. The statement of the Gemara is that if you look to the time of the bet mktash kayam. If a person brought a korban ola, korban mincha, they had the sakhar, they had the zechut of that korban. If a person was shafal ruach, if a person was anav, citing from the pasuk in Tehilim, zivhe elohim, all the slaughters, all the korbanot of God are ruach nishbara, as a person who has a spirit which is nishbara, which is shattered, which is humble, which is lowly. The understanding it as, as a result, in turn, I believe as well, it's each of those korbanot are purpose to bring a certain sense of humility. I'm borrowing from the words of Ramban Nachmani in his commentary at the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, where he describes the korbanot as seeing in what you're doing to the animal that which should be happening to you. That brings forth certain sense, uh, senses of humility. I sinned. I am deservant of punishment. If you've truly arrived at that in the context of Allah, Sekhar Allah Biado, in the context of If you are a person who is Ruach Nishbara, well, then you've achieved it. Well, then you've risen to the purpose, the content which underlays each of those korbanot. And similarly, the Gemara has in Masechet Chudin. But again, I think it's in each of them, each one in its own dimension, in its own way. I mean, when I'm bringing a korban, even as a nidava to God, I'm still undergoing all the processes of the korban. So you're right, it's not that it should have happened to me because I sinned, but it's in some other respect. It should be happening to me because I'm not worthy. I know it sounds a little gory. It's like, it like when you think that you woke up every morning. 
That's the same concept. Yes, something along those lines. Well, like this ends, that I could be dead. I'm only here by Hashem's grief. Well said. Well said. Better, better tweaked than than the way I said it. Yeah. The pasuk says in the Gemara and Chulin sites. Amalem Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Banai ani choshek b'achem. Shafilu shani mashpi alachem gedula atem me'atim atzmechem lefanai natati gedula leAvraham Amar veAnochi Afar vaEfe natati gedula leMoshe veAaron Ameru veNachnuma natati gedula leDavid Amar veAnochi the Pesukim, in the context of many of our great people, Abraham Avinu, Anuchi Afar Efer, after achieving and arriving at a promise from God for his greatness, he exclaimed and remarked about himself, he's Afar Efer, his dust and ashes of the earth. Moshe Naharon Nachnuma, who are we? What are we? David Hamelech Tolat Veloish, I'm a worm, not a human being. The statement in turn is, Your greatness. God through Moshe and Sefer Devarim exclaims is not achieved through your understanding of how lofty and how high you are, but rather ironically and paradoxically through a recognition of how lowly you are and in turn what sort of responsibility you have. This will only come as a result of our training of our mind and our heart to not be taken astray by the distracting lights of fame and self-recognition. By understanding and by realizing that I am deficient. I'm not a person, I'm not an individual who rises above humanity. And not only that, but even in the character traits and the achievements that you've brought forth and sent out in your life to achieve and, and did. You haven't finished the task. Just remembering and realizing that you're a human being can and should instill within you a certain healthy sense of humility. You can and should be understanding it as presence, as bestowments from God up upon your lowly soul and, and being. That in turn should inspire you to prayer. You should have joy and glee to God for that which you've been uh, imbued with. Without real, without confusing it with the self achievement. It can and should be likened to a, a, a poor person, a destitute individual who receives alms, who, who receives some sort of chesed, tzedakah from another. What can and should their reaction be? They should be embarrassed. They should be shamed. They should realize that although they've received it, it's a little embarrassing that they didn't achieve it independently. In, so too, human beings can and should see any achievement, every self-growth uh, as a situation in which, yes, I'm proud of myself, I feel good about this, but ultimately speaking, I realize that this is coming from another, that the true source of this, that the origins lie outside of myself. What can I respond to God? All of my achievements are 
from him and upon me. In truth, you find great pious people whom the Hachamim, Hazal and the Gemara, criticize for attributing greatness to themselves. For example, Nehemiah ben Hachalia, Amruzal, Mipene Maloni Krasifro al Shemo, the Hachamim wonder why isn't Nehemiah, although some do, but the Hachamim refer to his book as Sefer Ezra. Why didn't he get his own book? They find the Pasuk in which he seems to be attributing his greatness or rather his achievements to his own greatness. This was a punishment to a certain extent in their eyes for so doing. Nehemiah was a very important, a distinguished, and remembered well individual. Nonetheless, a, a certain admonishment, a certain rebuke for being mahazik tobale atma. So to the king, a very important and dignified and remembered well king. The Gemara is Doresh, this Pasuk in which he turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the understanding of his uh, turning to God as the Shalom from God is even bitter for me. Why so? The understanding was that Hizkiah saw in an, his prayer an, a self-achievement instead of realizing that it lies outside of him. As a result, God turned him and said, um, well, I'm going to do this, and I have done this in the merit of myself and of David, not of you, Hezkiah. Hezkiah was rebuked in that moment. Hezkiah was an important person. He was a remembered well king. Nonetheless, he was rebuked for being mahazik toba, for having a certain self-centeredness or haughtiness in that moment. It's clear that to, to uh, attribute self-righteousness and self-achievements to ourselves is mistaken. The Gemara, in fact, uh, contrasts, if I remember correctly, there in Berachot and Dafyot, the actions, the words of Hizkiah to Moshe, where Moshe turns to God and appeals, Bizchuta Avot. Uh, to, during time of sin, he tries to and does, ultimately speaking, save Am Yisrael, Zechor. He uh, appeals to God, remember Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and all that they did. And as a result of that action, we remember Moshe, not for the Zechut Avot, which he appealed to, but for his own uh, appealing to God for saving Am Yisrael. It's almost like a person who's boreach mina kavod. The kavod is boreach aharav, or is rodef aharav. Moshe Rabbeinu, in contrast to Chizkiah, the rabbis understand, was an individual, the pasuk attests to it, who did have humility, was anav me'od, and as a result couldn't and wouldn't say to God, save them in my merit, save them in the merit of others, but is remembered as it being in his own merit. What Ramchal is setting forth for us is very real and very significant because the, and I think we all know this and see it unfortunately on a consistent basis, the pitfall, the downfall of so many great and important individuals whom we at times do adore and do see as significant individuals who've risen above congregations, communities, and nations, but ultimately speaking, find their own downfall and their inability to realize and understand that it's not their own achievement, but rather something beyond themselves, their inability to truly uh, imbibe the waters of humility, of anava, uh, as Ramchal is setting out for us to strive to achieve in our own lifetimes. Amen. Amen.